praise you, Father God. You suddenly, suddenly start to, to realize when you have to, when you have to, when you, when you start to do these things, it's like slightly different. I'm, I'm used to like revival, Holy Ghost things, and suddenly we're praying for kids. So it's, 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 uh, it's, it's fun, isn't it? They, they will. Louise is telling me off. They need revival too. I know. That. I appreciate that. Well, well, what I'm believing God for really is, is when, as this church grows and more kids come, that we have kids leaders who are going to carry that to the kids. Not that Louise and Frankie aren't doing that, but they're doing it very much on, in a place where they're following the curriculum, they're doing that stuff. But we, I will, I'm really believing for people who are, are, are 100% focused on kids work and developing kids work and developing youth work and all that kind of stuff as the church grows we get buildings and things like that there is a vision on on the inside of me and if if i'm not communicating it enough to you guys tell me if you if you're feeling that the vision on the inside of you is dwindling talk to us because there's something happening in this church there's something happening, and there's, there's opportunities that are coming. There's, there's people that are coming. Visitors have come. Uh, new people have come. And we thank God for that. We thank God for living faith involvement and family and all that kind of stuff. And we thank God that more people will start to just be attracted to this place. Hallelujah. Attracted to the, the things of the Spirit. Attracted to the Holy Ghost. What did Brother Hagen said in his, um, when he heard from the Lord concerning an apostolic church. And an apostolic church is really a, a church that is thriving on the basis of being sent, growing, planting new churches, all that kind of stuff. Exactly the call that, that Pastor Joel and Pastor Evie feel that is, is on this ministry, apostolic planting more churches, continuing to move forward, to take the northwest, to take the northeast, to take the UK for Jesus Christ. Yes, other churches are doing this, but we've got a, a part to play that is significant in these end times and in these last days. I thank God that we are covered by that. But Brother Hagin said an apostolic church will be full of faith, so full of the Word, full of the Spirit, full of the Holy Ghost, revival, my passion, revival, not just refreshing of the body of Christ, but a revival of the body, a people on fire for God. But he also said this one thing, it will happen primarily through using the divine instruments of travail, which is intercession, prayer. So we've got a very strong prayer foundation in this church and in faith life, and also compassion. Using travail, prayer, and compassion will make us irresistible. When you, when you have two people who come on randomly, who come in to, to have communion with us, and they go out saying this is a, a work of God, and that they were incredibly blessed by it. I don't know what their background was. was. I told them beforehand this isn't traditional communion. It will be just to let them you know, have some sort of understanding. But when, that, when people come in from the outside and they go, that, that is to me, they could, I mean, you could super spiritualize it and say, you know, when, when angels come by and, and help you and, and then disappear and you never see them again. God can just send us a couple of people to encourage us and to remind us of the irresistibility that we carry. There's something irresistible on every single one of us. There's so much preciousness 
that God has poured into faith life for 10 years and now in this next stage of planting churches. And it's exciting. I mean, the kids are now doing their worship and they're, excited, and they're getting excited for the things of God. I'm so excited. Excited is the word for today for me. I'm excited. I wake up on, I find it hard to sleep on a Saturday night, not because of like fear or anything like that, but just like excitement. I'm awake before the alarm. Now, Louise, on the other hand, doesn't have that problem. Um, she tends to just sleep. <laughs> Without me, she's 15 minutes, 20 minutes late, you know. But what was, what was interesting, well, yeah, he gives his beloved rest. Uh, when, it, when I was away, what was interesting was she managed to wake up really late and get here near enough on time. So it kind of questions why it, it, there's such an issue on a Sunday morning when I'm there. But anyways, moving on. <laughs> We're keeping it fresh and family today. Is that all right? Hallelujah. Praise you, warts and all. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Well, I have got a lot, lot to get through. Um, I, it, it's funny because I was able to spend a bit of time yesterday praying because the, the family was out doing some other things, and I was able to take yesterday just to kind of just relax, um, enjoy the kind of the, the, the quiet time and, and the, the, the kind of the opportunity to hear from God. I think we said something last week, when, and we'll, Veronica will get up in a moment and give us an opportunity to give like we always do. But I like to, to speak into this moment because it is an opportunity to give. Me and Louise were talking about this on the way in today, that we need to so be aware of giving beyond what is normally considered enough. Tithing is your base rate. You know, uh, we talk about the base rate for mortgages. It goes up, then the, the percentage goes up, and all this kind of different stuff. But tithing, 10%, is your base rate. We know this. Offerings is anything above that. But that's where we're going to get stuck if you're not careful. We think 10% is good, so we'll, I'll put a 1% offering in. You might think percentages, you might not think percentages. But really, God is looking for something like a word, this word that we really kind of like don't like, generosity. God is looking for generosity beyond what is prescribed. When a doctor prescribes you medication, you take the exact amount because it's safe to have that exact amount. But you know you can have as many vegetables and fruits and healthy food as much as you like. It's when we, we, we try and subtract that, the stuff that's healthy for us, and we go after the stuff that's unhealthy for us that causes problems. So when we're operating in the realm of finance, tithing is that base rate that gives you the foundation for what God is expecting of you. He says, everything that I give you is from me to you. You can have 100% of it, but what I'm asking for you is to commit to give 10% back, and then you have offerings on top of that. Don't be shirky in the offerings because it's the offerings that's actually going to create the generosity of your seed planted so then the generosity of the harvest comes back. Your tithing is not your planting of seed. Now, I, I know everyone in this room has heard this before 
I'm just re re regurgitating it, if you like, re-layering the foundation. Because last week we talked about three words. I don't know if you all remember them, but it was inquire of the Lord, desire of the Lord, and then acquire. So your inquiry of the Lord really is your understanding of knowing and hearing what His voice is saying to you. So when tithing comes up, it's not difficult to inquire about tithing because tithing is very easy to understand. It's 10%. It's the 10th. It's a tithe. So that's easy. You don't need to inquire of the Lord. Now, people will make a big thing whether you have to tithe or not. and all that. You know what? You don't have to tithe. But you don't have to eat healthy either. You don't have to drink water, do you? You could just drink Coca-Cola for the rest of your life. But something's going to, it's going to affect your body. I was watching a video the other week on Instagram of Red Bull, a can of Red Bull. And he poured it on the back window of his car, right? And just poured a normal can of Red Bull. And it absolutely shattered this glass. Uh, unbelievable. Just poured it and shattered. And we're putting that stuff in our bodies. Something that is glass shattering. So when tithing is, is, is spoken of in the Bible... I'm going to say you should do it, and in fact, God requires you of it if you want to step beyond the, the financial situation that you're in. Tithing is a requirement, but the reality is you don't have to do it. Isn't, there isn't a big bully angel from the mafia that's going to come around and collect tithing. Some churches used to do that years ago. We don't tend to do that anymore. Elson is not getting up to get a baseball bat right now. <laughs> To, to, to require you to tithe. So I, I, there's no pressure for me whether you tithe or not. So that, and I'm talking mainly probably to the people on the other end of the camera if they're watching. But the offerings is the area, the gray area, if you like, the gray area which allows you to have some wiggle room. It's, it's, it's your deciding on how much you give above that tithe that affects what comes back in your harvest. The farmer sows his seed. Now, if he's got unlimited supply of seed, or uh, uh, say he's got 100 barrels of seed, it's his decision how much of that he sows. He doesn't have to sow 100 barrels of that seed, does he? He could sow one barrel of that seed. But how much harvest is going to be based on how much he actually sows? One barrel is going to produce whatever return. One barrel produces 100 barrels is going to produce whatever 100 barrels return. So the offering part, your sowing of your seed, what it talks about in 2 Corinthians, being a generous giver or a stingy giver, produces a stingy harvest or a generous harvest. So your qualify, and God's challenging me on this specifically, to know the difference between what's seed, what's food, what's to save. If I have a hundred pound come in, someone walked up, say, Veronica felt generous, this isn't a word of the Lord, you don't have to respond to this, you can ignore it. If she gave me a hundred pound, I can inquire of the Lord, well actually I don't need to inquire of the tithe, ten pound. But I can inquire of the Lord what I need to sow, what I need to save, and what I need to spend. Inquiry introduces you to something called vision. And in fact, if you flip it the other way around, if you have vision, you will always inquire. 
If you have vision for your life, for the church, you will inquire and find out what it takes to make that vision. But just inquiry alone, figuring out stuff. If um, I know my uncle Di, he loves model trains. My father was very similar, model trains. Now you can buy model trains, open the packet and plug it in. Or you could know exactly what gauge that model train runs on. You can know what that model train's based on in real life, whether it was a steam engine, whether it was something that was produced in 1920, 1930, 1940. You can know exactly because you spend time researching and developing and finding out what that is. My son is constantly coming up to me and saying, did you know how much your old Lego sets are worth? Now, how the heck is he going to know how much my old Lego sets are worth without inquiring about something? He's finding out, okay, that Lego castle's worth 200 pounds if it was in a box and not built. He's inquired to find out the value of something. He's inquired. He takes time and digs out my old instruction manuals and, and finds all the Lego pieces and starts building stuff like my father would do with the, the model trains. Uncle Di does the same. We find out, we inquire, something that we're passionate about, we inquire of the Lord too. If you're passionate about seeing the kingdom of God go forward, you're going to be passionate about finances and producing finances for the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God cannot grow bigger without financial growth. Souls are great, but if we had 300 people come in on a Sunday morning, we'd be turning them away because we, couldn't have, we wouldn't have room for them in this place. So therefore, we would need somewhere else to go, and it would probably, what, cost more money. So our finances, when we invest our finances into the kingdom, it's benefiting not only you, but other people and other souls that can come in. But the reality of it is God wants you to have an inquiring mind, if you like, and a mind that seeks after his will to hear what God would have you do in the area of finances, in the area of family, in the area of any area that you want to fill in the blank on. If you find out what God wants you to do, something's going to happen in that area that's going to produce a multiple um, 30, 60, 100-fold harvest. The sower sows the word. He doesn't sow the money. But if you know the word and you hear the word, and remember faith comes by what? Hearing. But what's it hearing? It hears the word of God, but it's not hearing the word of God as it's written necessarily. It's hearing the word of God as rhema by the spirit. Now the spirit will only confirm the written. So if you don't have the written word, it's, it's harder to hear and know what the spirit's saying. So other voices can get involved. But if you know the word and the spirit, God brings the word to you fresh and alive. Suddenly, that inquiring of the Lord becomes alive. And you start to work with it. And you start to meditate on it. And you start to develop it. And you hear what God's telling you to do in your heart. What does Mark 11, 22 and 23, say, have faith in God. So I said last week, it's have hearing in God because you're hearing the fresh word. But where are you hearing that? In your heart. Now, Brother Hagen said, emphasized the saying part. God told him you have to say more than you believe because most people didn't know how, they knew how to believe with their heart. They just didn't know how to say it. But we should know now that saying is crucial. 
We've had years of teaching of it. And if you don't understand that, we, we need to talk about that. But right now I'm dealing with heart. If you hear it in your heart, can you believe it in your heart? Yes. So when you believe it in your heart, you can speak it with authority. You see, if you don't believe something in your heart, confession, the problem where confession has got in, 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 into issues in the, in the body of Christ is people were saying things because they knew that they had to say something right. They never connected it to their heart. They tried to believe God for something, but they were living in unforgiveness. And as Brother Hagen says, you just keep reading a few verses and God suddenly starts to believe, it starts to deal with your heart. Faith works by, works by love. So you have to hear the faith, you have to hear the word so that the faith is there, but then it works by the love. So your heart issues, so if your heart's got an issue, you're saying it's going to be unproductive. So inquiring of the Lord allows you to spend extra time, extra mental power, extra thinking, extra praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm a big believer in praying in the Holy Ghost. And it allows you to let things spark in your heart so that you can speak it with your mouth. But it also allows the direction. How are we led? If we're children of God, we're led by the Spirit of God. Where does the Spirit of God live? He lives on the inside of you. How does the Spirit of God communicate? He talks to your spirit. And your spirit is you. <laughs> not your mind, not your body. Your spirit is you. And your spirit communicates and fellowships with the Holy Spirit. The deep things of God get pulled up as you pray, as you meditate, as you inquire. So then suddenly you're hearing things. And now I'm breaking this down. And it sounds like it's going to take three hours before you get anywhere. It can happen in the space of two seconds. You can inquire and hear. Inquire and hear. I was watching a video of a social media influencer, and he said the difference between people who uh, earn lots of money and get lots of things done is often the time it makes to, to make a decision. It takes me 10 seconds to decide what to wear in the morning and takes Louise four, five, six, seven goes to decide what to wear. Yeah? If she did it in the first five seconds, we'd be out the door 20 minutes earlier. Yeah? I'm exaggerating for a reason. But if you take an, a week to decide what you're going to do, and then an, you may oh, let's backtrack a little bit. If you have five decisions you need to make, and you take a week over each decision, maybe it's what groceries to buy one week, when to get your hair cut one week, one, but you take a week over each decision. It takes you five weeks to get five basic things to done where a businessman would t do them in five minutes, those five decisions, and then take every hour making big decisions, big decisions, big decisions, and he's quickly moving forward and suddenly his business is growing because he's making decisions really fast. That's the difference between someone who's going to be successful and someone who's just going to drag their feet. So when we're dealing with the Spirit of God, there's things that you're going to have to ponder over and take time and inquire of the Lord. But sometimes maybe some of us take too long to just do what God's already told us to do. And when it comes to generosity in finances, sometimes you have to wait for the pay to come in. You can't give what you don't have. I'm not asking you to go into debt to give. 
I'm not asking you to borrow money to give because you feel God wants you to sow more money. That's not what I'm saying. You might have to wait for the paycheck to come in. But if you inquire, you should be able to make a very quick decision. Ah, actually, God wants me to give £5 extra, £10 extra, £20 extra, whatever. Why is God telling you to do this? Why is God telling you to increase? Because he knows on the other side of your giving, there's a bigger harvest. You're suddenly giving two barrels of seed, planting two barrels of seed rather than one. And that word generosity, generous above the tithe, offerings above the tithe, is the area which you can push the most into, hear the most from God, and develop the most in financially. Because suddenly you're listening and saying, God, I'm not just going to make a quick, quick decision and make it based on what I see. I'm going to make a decision based on what I'm hearing on the inside of me. God once said to Brother Copeland once years ago, he said, do you, do you really believe the word? Yes, I believe the word. Do you really believe the word? Yes, I believe the word. Given, it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. And he suddenly thought, hang on, if I really believe that, and I'm not saying, hear me, I'm putting a little bit of context in. I'm not saying give everything away, but he says, if you really believe everything, if you really believe that you'd give everything away, you just, you just wouldn't stop giving because you, you suddenly go, hang on, I believe the word. That means that money's gonna, it's going to come back. It's always going to come back. And it's, it's almost that scripture verse where the, the measure that you give out is the measure that you come back. You give with teaspoons, you'll receive teaspoons back. But if you give with dump trucks, you'll receive dump trucks back. Now, it's very, you've got to be careful when you preach this kind of thing because I don't ever want to put pressure on people to give more than they can handle. But that's where inquiry comes into play. So when we give today and when we sow today, inquire of the Lord. My dad always used to say it to me this way. There's no use you giving £10 when God has told you to give £5. We don't ever do it the other way. We always say, God's telling me to, to, to give £20 and I, give, and I gave £10 and I disobeyed God. Well, you, what if God's telling you to give £10 but you give £20? Now, thank God... That if you do give more, you're still sowing more. But if he's told you specifically, only give £10, you've got to hear. And that's where inquiry comes. We can't move on to desire and acquire, which we'll cover in the next few weeks, I believe. But inquire of the Lord. Get in. Start listening. If you ever watch, I love watching uh, lots of ministers, well school ministers, they hold their hand there. They just hold their hand and they're listening to God. They hold their hand because they're, they're creating a physical connection where the spirit is. They can just, you know, they're not holding their head. Oh, me, oh, my, oh, my. If you're doing that, you're in serious trouble. Hallelujah. Let me read something T.L. Osborne said. God has committed his dream to us. That's quite deep in itself. He has committed his dream. What does, what's his dream? To see the world saved, to see his family expanded immensely. But he's committed it to us. He's told us to what? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. It is up to us to become the winners we are destined to be. His life in us will be the source and the force of our success. But it cannot be released in us until we inquire 
and know our rights and put our faith into action in the material realm. You inquire of the Lord. You inquire and find out what he would have you to do, whether it's giving today or whether it's running across to see your other next door neighbor and give him a pie. You inquire and you hear. And I'm telling you, when God starts talking to you about what to do and you start listening, he'll tell you bigger things. And if, if you feel like you've not heard anything from God for a long time, because sometimes you go through phases. I, have been, I know I've been through phases. Just check back and see what, what he told you to do last time. Maybe you just haven't done that fully. Hallelujah. See, when, we, when, when you start a church, you have to know God's telling you to start a church. Because you've got to get to a point where you're all in. And I believe this group of people's all in. I believe that there's prosperity hanging there waiting for you to reach up and grab a hold of it. And it's, it's prosperity that seeks first the kingdom of God. When you seek first the kingdom of God, oh my word, things are going to happen. I tell you, I, you can quote me on this, before we know it, we'll be in our own building. There's a prosperity in a financial level that is coming to Preston that is going to astound us. Coming to Faith Life Center Ministries as a whole, it's going to astound us. There's going to be a move. The devil's trying his best to resist. The devil's trying to, to, trying to cripple and trying to hold back and trying to, with, with, you know. But you know what? He has got no authority. He's got no power. He's got, he is under our feet. And he is bound from touching and hindering this ministry. We're going to push through. We're going to get to the next level. And we're going to run. We're going to keep running. It's exciting to wake up on a Sunday morning. But you know what's exciting? Monday morning, Tuesday morning. Because you know what? There's a song out now by, I think, Phil Wickham. He says, Friday's good, but Sunday's coming. Friday's happened, but Sunday's coming. Monday, Monday's happening, but Sunday's coming. Tuesday's happening, but Sunday's coming. The presence of the Lord is with me all the days of my life. As, as we heard on Friday night in Friday Fire by our, our Brazilian friend, if you're not moving, nothing can follow you. If goodness and mercy is supposed to follow you, you need to get moving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father God. Well, Veronica, you come up and let us know how to give. Woo, let's give. It's a privilege. It's another God's benefit for our benefits, so it's such a privilege to be able to give. Can I just share something? Um, yesterday, um, I had to go and do some work with this family, and the woman is Muslim, so... I went and did what I had to do, and she had shoulder surgery, so she needed help. So um, at the end of it, we were talking a bit and talking about, you know, our faiths and stuff like that. Um, and at the end, I said, can I pray for you? And, and she said, yeah. So I prayed for, a, uh, for healing, and almost as I was just about to say in the name of Jesus, Something came upon me to say, will she be offended? But as soon as that thought came, I was like, no, I'm here to speak the name of Jesus over this woman. And I could feel her when I said the name of Jesus, she kind of like, 
Um, but when I've got to go back for the next two weeks every day to, to this woman. Um, but God said to me, when you go back, make her food, take her flowers, take her chocolates, just show her how much the love of Jesus can, you know, be poured out on, you know, even, you know, she's not a Christian and that, but that's, that makes it more because she's a Muslim and God, Jesus loves the Muslims. He wants, God wants everybody. So just what you're saying today is just such a, yeah, just, it's, it's sown into, you know, hearing what God is saying. I, I quite clearly heard God say to me, make her food, take her flowers. And, and I thought, oh, she might think, oh, she, but I'm like, no, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make her food and I'm going to take her flowers. Today I'm going to go and take her flowers. Tomorrow when I've got more time, I'm going to make her a meal. Um, and yeah, so, you know, to, to sow, to, to give, to give offerings, and you can do it in so many different ways. Um, so, yeah, so today we can give, where's the QR code? <laughs> there we go, that's how you can give. You can click on the QR code or go to faithlifecenter.com forward slash give Preston and press on there and give online or give um, by... Um, direct debit or cash in the buckets in the room that's not going round. I can't see any buckets going round. <laughs> or you can give on the little machine at the back. Um, so, but whatever you give, inquire of the Lord. Whatever you give, do it with a, a, a joyful heart. And we cannot outgive our God because He's so much bigger than us. So, Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity just to give back, Father God, and to receive everything that you've got for us. We thank you for the finances that are coming into Faith Life Preston. We know, Father God, that this is good soil, and you tell us to sow into good soil, and we will see a harvest. So, Father God, we, we just thank you. We thank you, Father, for every penny that comes into this ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll hand you back to Pastor Andy. Thank you. Um, I've just said we're, the church will send you £100 to help with that. Um, and then you can go extra special with that. So you can make, maybe buy the ex really, really nice flowers or whatever. Okay, so we'll sew into that. Um, we'll, we'll do that. And we've got to believe in these things. Uh, it's very easy to stand up and say that we give and we do all that kind of stuff. But if we don't do it... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, moving on, we could probably take the QR code down. I think we've uh, given them an opportunity. Thank you very much, team. Um, let's move on. Uh, in, in, this, in this vein, can I just give you this Bible back? Sometimes um, I feel like I need to have the King James. Sometimes I like to have my old, my, my New Living Translation, even. Can we just go to Proverbs chapter 1? In praying about this yesterday, um, I went through a load of different directions. I mean, I didn't even cover half of the stuff I wanted to say concerning the giving side of things. But let's just open up in prayer. Father God, we just worship you. We thank you, Father, that in the time that we have left, that we're going to hear your word. We're going to hear it with, with passion, with 
with inspiration. Father, I just pray that every hearer hears, that their ears are open to hear, that grace is upon their ears, and that favor is alive in their hearts as the word of God has spoken this morning. God, we give you praise for it. We thank you, Father, so much for what you have in store for us. And I, I, I am so grateful for the things that you have called us to do. The generosity of a people. Hallelujah. Of this group of people. God, I give you praise. I thank you so much for your word. We eat it today. We, 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 we meditate on it. We, we swallow it. Thank you, Father God, that if there's steak given, that no one chokes. That we, we stretch ourselves and believe that you are speaking the word of the, of that, that is relevant and that is impactful to each and every one of our lives today. In the name of Jesus, and I give you all the glory for that. Well, if you turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Actually, yeah. Proverbs chapter 1, hold your place there. Pass me the Bible back. When I get the microphone, I get, get um, like six things happen at once all the time, so just bear with me. If you hold your place in Proverbs chapter 1, or you don't have to, if you, if you know where it is quite easily in your Bible, in chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. No, three. <laughs> A lot of stuff's happened this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. I want you to remember that phrase for the rest of this week, my challenge to you, glory to glory. It does not say from mess to mess. It does not even say from mess to glory. It says from glory to glory. When, you uh, when you're saved and become saved, you're baptized in the Spirit of God to, into salvation. And then you get water baptized. You go under the water. You, you come up. And there's a, an element of, of freedom in that. There's a, there's a, it's a representation of losing the chains, losing the past. And then you, usually this is the, in the order that it happens. It didn't happen to me in this order. But you get water baptized and then you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God bursts something inside of you, revival, fire. But if you look at that, it says in Colossians that we are translated from what darkness into light when we're born again, there's steps of glory that take place in the believer's life. You get saved, and the next step is water baptism, usually. 
and then water, uh, fire baptism. Water and fire. And God is, is demonstrating through those simple, three simple principles that there are steps to take that take you from one place of glory to the next place of glory to the next place of glory. But what happens when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost? And, and I said this last week, um, there's Pentecostals who will, who will say, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost in 1920, and it, I've not seen anything different ever since. I prayed in tongues once. I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. But there was nothing that happened on a day-to-day basis that maintained what God has planned for that individual's life. They have an experience in one time, but never developed that experience. I love Brother Hagen so much when he talks about these things because he talks about developing your faith life, growing in faith, growing in the things of the Spirit. You pray in the Holy Ghost and you grow in the things of the Spirit because you're praying and when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you will edify yourself. What does edify mean? If I'm going to edify um, a dirty piece of clothing, I'm going to edify it by cleaning it, get rid of the stains. Unfortunately, I put a pair of jeans on the other day and my washing machine didn't do very well at getting rid of the stains. Stains hamper us. They hold us back. They, they keep us bound. But you see, praying in the Holy Ghost and developing our spiritual capacity to be increased on the inside of us allows us to somehow pull on the spirit on the inside of us and go and increase increase, as I said, increase our capacity to receive more of what God would have us do in this life from glory to glory. Most Christians are living mess to mess. I've experienced that time and time again in my life, mess to mess. It's like, God, this mess is slightly better than the last mess, but the mess hasn't improved. I'm still in a mess. Okay, fine. I may have seen a bit of extra money come in or the, the, the bills are being paid last month, but really I'm no better off. And there's a challenge within this scripture verse that says here, the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But with all, all of us, all of us, you, me, we, with an open face, behold as in a glass, the, into a mirror, into just a reflection. We start to see the glory of the Lord. You see, when Moses was, went onto that Mount Sinai and, his, and he had his, his glory moment, he came back from Mount Sinai full and his face was shining. That the, 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 the people were so scared of him. And he wasn't born again, remember. He was shining. They had to cover him up to dim that shining down so that people could actually approach him and they could, they, they could bear witness with him and talk to him. But they also say that they kept that veil on to cover up the fact that the glory had faded at one point. See, we don't have a veil. We don't cover ourselves up. In fact, Jesus says, what, we should be a city on a hill shining in the darkness. We should never cover ourselves up with a bushel. There's something on the inside of us that shines, that when people come on, on holiday and come and sit down and they experience and they worship with us, they see the same shining. 
I said it this way a few weeks back. If you throw a match into a fire, the match doesn't suddenly get brighter. It's just, a, it's just the same fire, but just in a bigger context. It just gets swallowed by it. But you see, what's so awesome about God, even in the midst of a fire, three Hebrew children had a man of fire that stood out separate from the fire. There was a fourth person in that fire with them that shone brighter than the very brightness of that fire itself. God is always bigger, better, and more grander than we give him credit for. And we carry his presence, not hidden with a veil, not hidden and hiding from the world, but we carry something on, on, on our destiny in life and our journey and through the assignments, through what God's instilled in us, what God wants us to achieve. And, 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 and I, I think this is where vision comes, is so important, so crucial for us to have right now, is to have a vision on the inside of us of something bigger than where we are. Whether it's church or whether it's personal. I've always say it, I always think of it this way. If you have a personal vision, it's going to include the vision of your local church. Because your local church is going to benefit from your success that your vision entails. If your vision takes you away from that local church, one or two things happen. One, God is actually saying, actually, you need to, to shift and go somewhere else. And that's that's. Not what I'm talking about, but most people shift their vision and suddenly get onto something bigger and better than their local church, and they just forget about the local church and just forget about what 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 you see what the, that pastor spent 20 years pouring into their lives, and, and and what happens? Charlotte Gamble always used to say this. Used to get really frustrated and angry because in in Bradford they had this wonderful, gorgeous church building, and people would come in and they'd learn camera skills, they'd learn uh, video skills, they'd learn different business skills, and then suddenly and then suddenly what they would do is get a secular job and then forget about the church. The church has poured 15 years into their lives. It's like these worship leaders who decide to go off and have a secular musical career. God's poured something into them. God's filled them up with his glory. And it's almost like they turn their back on him. I'm not saying every single person is wrong that does that. I'm not, you know, you have to be led of the spirit of God by yourself. And we can't criticize and judge them. But there is something that happens. They even say, uh, even in, in this Christian world where Christian worship leaders will be with a church for 20 years, their fame rises with the fame of the church, and suddenly they'll leave that church to go on to their own music ministry and then wonder why everything falls apart because they were called to the local church. They were called to something within the church. People do it in smaller scales. I'm just going to go to another church and... and but they're called. And God's next step of glory began in one location. And he wants to see step by step by step by step. And a magnificent revel. You see, when it's about you, you'll move on. When it's about your life, you will try and force things to get better. But when it's all about him... We behold, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. It's not actually saying that we're changed by our own efforts, is it? It says, with an open face, beholding as in a glass or in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory 
by the Spirit of the Lord. Your growth in God, your revealing, the remember what Pastor Chris Twin said about uh, uh, Preston, that there's coming a moment of revelation, of revealing, that people will find us, see us, and, and it'll be like, like we've been here for so long, and then suddenly go, oh, people go, wow, we didn't know you were there. There'll be a revealing, but that has not got anything to do with how hard Veronica works or how hard I work. It's to do with they that labor to build the house will fail, but those who let the Lord build it will see the glory of it. Let's just turn to Haggai. And if you're not careful, you're going to hear this in a negative. And I, I, I was, when I was praying about this scripture verse yesterday, I was thinking, I don't want this to sound negative. But let's just read what it says. Because this doesn't really apply to anyone in here, but there's, there's a flip side. Remember when we always look at things, we always look at things in the negative to try and, because our minds generally think negatively. So it's better to sometimes start in the negative and flip it to the positive so your brain kind of can hear it. So just listen to these scripture verses. In verse 3 of Haggai 1, it says, Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? I remember our pastor in Liverpool preaching this a long time ago. And this is where generosity will kick in. You'll either hear this with a generous, generous heart or you'll hear this with a um, pastor Andy's having a go. This is not me having a go. I'm just trying to make this clear because this can sound quite negative if I just, if I just go for it. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you are putting them in pockets filled with holes. That's a rebuke, isn't it? Because I've just spent 20 minutes or so saying plant and harvest. Plant and you'll harvest. But it says here, well, you plant, but you're not harvesting. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvest, but were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins. While all of you are busy building your own fine houses. It's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produce no crops. I have called for a drought on your fields and etc., etc., etc. Now, I'm not prophesying this over us. I'm not declaring this over us, and I'm not trying to come together. Hear me clearly. Now, if it applies to you and God's dealing with you about it, receive it. But I'm, that's not the point of me reading this. Because one, this house, this hotel is not falling apart. So none of you are going to be asked, apart from, of course, David, who's brought a ladder to, to church and, you know, is able to do the DIY. He's ready. <laughs> His family's blessed. Um, I'm, we're not here asking for... Um, now, we are a little bit short on biscuits today, so I, I think that's, but that's my fault. That's not your fault. So that's not the purpose of me saying this. But where is the temple of the, of the Lord now? It's us, isn't it? Huh. 
Nada me ocurre de basta. You see, the temple of the house, you and I, cannot be in ruin. And this is where God's taking me with this. It's not the physical house that's important anymore. Because you can preach it like that. Yeah, that's, that's how we were, we were taught this scripture verse. It was, it was very much like, well, the house, you know, you lot aren't giving enough. That's why you guys are poor, not prosperous. You guys are just not looking after the church. Well, that's not the case in this house. But the house of the Lord is you and I. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. What does it say? We are changed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. What did God say here? Why are you living in luxurious house while my house lies in ruins? That could simply be living by the flesh. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Never had that issue before, so I'm just going to ask him to turn it down slightly. The house of the Lord. The house of the Lord needs to be strong. You and I's house need to be strong. Hallelujah. My house lies in ruins. God is not saying to you and I that our, our, our house is broken down and, and it needs like vitamins and injections and stuff like that. Our house needs to be strong spiritually before it can be strong physically. Hallelujah. We are in a place of of running faster and moving faster because the anointing of God is equipping us to do so. But the reality is if we don't look after ourselves very quickly, we can fall down and fall apart. From glory to glory. Where am I going with all this? From glory to glory. From glory to glory. From glory to glory. Our ruins, our, our life cannot stay in a mess before it can get to the glory. Something Rick Renner said about this passage, and it really, it really dawned on me. Many of us are trying to go from mess to glory. From mess to glory. We're trying to say, God, bless me out of my mess without us trying to fix the mess and get in the mess into the place where God can promote you. Have you ever tried to get promoted a job by doing a bad job? Have you ever tried to be horrible to your boss, late, lazy, and then grumpy that you didn't get promoted? I know I have. I, I was very grumpy at McDonald's a lot of times for not being promoted faster than I wanted it to be. But the reality is, I wasn't a very good employee. 
I mean, McDonald's was hard for me. I, I didn't enjoy McDonald's. It was like literally you get up at six, six o'clock in the morning for work one day, and then the next day you're in work till 2 a.m. at the, uh, the evening. So my body clock was all over the place. I, 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 can't do, I don't do that very well. I'm better with routine and better with, with straightness. But you can't annoy the crap out of your boss and then expect him to promote you and give you a bonus. What do you have to do before you get a promotion? You have to be good at your job. So many Christians are trying to get God to promote them without being good at what they should be doing right now. And I'm pointing the finger at me. We cannot expect the church to grow higher unless we're doing everything that we can do. Now, now that's not me. Please, I'm not, I'm not saying that we need to change things, we need to adjust things. And we, that's not what I'm trying to say. But I'm saying, look, turn, turn your eyes on your own heart at the moment because we are expected to go from glory to glory. We're expected to go from fire to fire. We're expected to go from health to health. We don't need to always be in sickness to try and get healed. We need to be living in divine health. We need to be, we, we need to be prospering and going to each next level all the time, moving forward and moving forward and moving forward with a passion and an excitement about life. But if we're sitting in a place on our chair, like I said before, if you're not moving, goodness and mercy can't follow you because it's left you behind. It's already moving forward. If you're sat down, you know, and, and, and Ruth decides to walk past Holly, sat down, your goodness and mercy, he's trying to get on to Holly there, but no, well, well, Ruth's maybe I will follow there. So the mess that we are in right now presently, we are better thinking of like, not God get me out of this mess. Start looking at it and saying, God, what do I need to do to fix this mess? If you need to sell a house and it's falling apart... What do you often do? You fix the house up before you try and sell it. Usually. You can try and sell it, but the attractiveness of it will often reduce the cost of it. You won't get the best price for it. People might look at it and go, well, there's far too much work to do on this house, so therefore I'm not going to buy it. That's a simple example. But God is looking for return of investment Do you think God's a, a businessman? You know, he established the Jewish race. What are Jews known for? Making money, being rich, businessmen. My brother's a Jew. He knows how to make money. But you know, also, this time and time again, Jesus tells parables of the story of talents and things like that. He says, if I give you one talent and you don't do anything with it, you are an unfaithful, unjust, worthless human being, basically, was what he was saying. You are not fit for service. So as Christians, we need to somehow figure out how to become the one that takes whatever talent I've got, I'm going to multiply it. I'm going to multiply. It astounds me that our cameraman, it blesses me that our cameraman turned up with a ladder. You know why he's turned up with a ladder? Because he was willing to do something last week that caused him a little bit of pain. 
standing on a camera, it takes a lot, a lot of time. And I know these guys are new, but I've known them for years. So that's why I'm, I'm lifting them up. I've known them for a long time. I know people in this room have known them for a long time. So I, I support them. I love them. But to see somebody come back the week after because he struggled and bring a ladder and fix the problem... Most Christians would just go, I'm going to keep doing it and whinge about it for 50 years and wonder why there's pain in my knees because I just didn't go get a ladder. Very simple. If you drive your car to the point of having no fuel in it and don't fill it up, apart from Veronica, who, who is obviously of the... Um, the dodgy side of the world and, you know, with the, this, the electric business. But if she forgets to plug herself in, she ain't coming to church. There was an instance we had once of Veronica turning up a little bit late. But if you run out of fuel on the motorway, you're just as foolish. So why do we... Let, let's go to where I want to go. Proverbs 1. If God can't bless us because our house is in ruin, there's something that we have to do to sort it out. Let's read Proverbs chapter 1. I was reading this last night, and I just wanted to take myself, stretch my hand a few inches bigger, and slap me a few times around the face. Because I thought, how stupid am I? Let's read it. The purpose of Proverbs. Now, how much more clear do you want to be? Okay, There's a purpose for this book. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. Oh, let's skip that word. Let's, let's, just, let's ignore that word. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live, oh, no, let's skip that word, uh, successful lives, to help them to do what is right, just, and fair. Don't know the scripture's up there. We've skipped one word there. The, the, yeah, yeah, we don't, can we just erase that from the, the, the Bible, please? The purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. If you're wise... You're disciplined, and you're successful. So you want success, you need discipline. If you want discipline, you're looking to be wise, aren't you? These problems will give insight to the simple. <laughs> you know what I like about that scripture, verse, verse 4? These problems will give insight to the simple. Is You know, you don't have to be smart. Knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring a meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. How much clearer does the Bible have to be to show you and to tell you how to become wise, successful, disciplined? If we aren't living a successful life, we're probably not simply following the instruction manual. Somewhere, somehow, we are missing it. If your car is broken down on the side of the road because you didn't put oil in it, it's probably because you didn't read the manual to figure out how much oil was necessary and when it needed to be filled up. 
if you don't know how to change a tire or fill up the air on the tire, you have not read the manual to the car. If I don't know how to boot up my computer, it's because I haven't read the instructions on how to turn my computer on. If I don't know how to use my phone, it's because I haven't taken time to learn how to use my phone. If our life is in a mess, we haven't taken time to figure out how to make that mess into the glory that God wants it to be. Many Christians will say to me now at this point, oh, but the devil ruined my life. You know, there was something that the devil did a very long time ago when he stole the authority from Adam and Eve. But you know, that was a horrible instance and Adam and Eve regretted it for the rest of their lives. And many, and many human beings died as a result of it. But something happened 2,000 years ago that enables us to actually stop making excuses but actually to rely on what Jesus Christ himself did for us. I'm, you know, I'm not, this is not a message for you. I'm not actually, I'm ignoring you guys. I'm talking to me. Do I want to live mess to mess? Or do I want to live glory to glory? Glory to glory opens us up to something. Because you know what glory is? What's the glory of God? What did Moses discover about the glory of God? It's his goodness. If the glory of God's operating in your life, it's all good. Now, if the devil's taken you out and the devil's messed with you and things have gone wrong, people may have left you too early, all that kind of stuff happens. Stupid things happen. People get sick. People do stupid things. People hate people. People say things. But that is never an excuse. And this is why people don't like this kind of preaching because it suddenly says, well, it was their fault, but you're telling me it wasn't their fault. No matter what, what they did to me, it's not their fault. It's, it's me. I have to deal with me. Joyce Meyer is a very big example of how to do this. I don't know if you know her testimony, but she was horrendously abused by her father. And it took her many, many years to get over it and to discover the things that we're talking about today. But it ended up turning into a place where she led him to Jesus Christ herself. I think it was pretty much on his deathbed. But the reality of what God wants to do in your life is to take away everything that's gone on before and to turn your eyes unto him so that the glory of God that is, it's, what does it say, in this earthen vessel that the power of God would be reflected not for my benefit but for entirely for his. Glory to glory. What does that mean when you're in a mess? This is where faith becomes a bit more important. Because when you're in the mess, you can't look at the mess. You see, when you want to go from glory to glory, you need to see the glory. And faith will grab a hold of these things by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God. It will say, I'm going to look with complete commitment to what God says my life should be and not what I see in the natural. 
the mess may be there. But I tell you, the mess can be removed if you will see where God wants you to be right now. Don't look to the future. Vision is going to look to the future. I agree with vision. I agree with understanding where you're going. But I'm telling you this, that if you are looking at a mess, you need to see that mess in the place of the glory that God wants you right now. And then when that glory is manifest, you will step up into another level. And then you will step up into another level. But the foundation is like when I was watching a, 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 a physical training guy. He was saying like what happens quite often is people will start working out and they want to get rid of their belly fat. And it, 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 this more applies to men because men like to build big muscles. And what will happen is you say, oh, I've got a belly fat, so I've got to have a diet. And then everyone says, oh, you're starting to look skinny. Bob, you're looking skinny. You've, you've lost a lot of muscles. And, so, and then you say, well, I can't diet anymore. I've got to build loads of muscles up. And, 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 and then someone will say, oh, you're looking a bit fat, and you've got a pot belly again. And then it's this circle of diet and circle of putting on weight. And so, but what he, he was trying to say was what you have to do is diet enough so that you're in the place where you want to be so you have a foundation to build strength. So your life needs to have a foundation to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. Thank God we have Jesus. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God that the mess that you see, that you presently see, it's, it's paid for. It's been bought for. It, you can cast all the care. You can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You can throw everything that you think is bad with your life onto him and say, God, I, I can't do this. This isn't my burden. You said I can cast it onto you. So I pull down your burden. Your yoke is easy. Your, your way of doing things is the right way of doing things. So whatever mess I'm in right now, God, you steer me right back to the place of the perfect will of God for my life, the perfect glory place for my life, the perfect place where you see me. I'm going to pull on you. I'm going to listen to your vision. I'm going to listen to your glory. I'm going to listen to your, your word. And the mess that I presently see with my natural is going to be flipped, turned around, wiped out. And there's the presence of God is going to fill my life so full that I overflow with the victory that is, overcomes the world. Our faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You might tell that I've got far more preaching me than I have time. But let me just hit a few points, if I can. See, I can't even do that because that, that's going to take me another half an hour or so. <laughs> Let me finish on this. This time has, has literally run out on us. Learn to do this. And I, I don't want you to meditate on this, but I want you to do this. There's a difference. If you, you meditate on the word and you meditate on the answers, you have faith. But learn to do this. Ask yourself some hard questions. No matter what age you are, it's not an age thing. Ask yourself the hard questions. Do I know what needs to change in my life? If, you're, if you've got, and when I talk about a mess, you can have a mess. You know like a dog makes a mess in a corner of a room, but the rest of the room is clean and tidy? That can be our life. There's just a bit of a mess somewhere in a corner that needs tidying up and cleaning up. 
So just ask yourself some questions. What needs to be changed in my life? Am I pursuing God with intent and purpose? Am I chasing God and his glory for my life? Do I put a demand on his voice in my life? These are questions that I'm asking myself constantly. Am I hearing his voice for my life? Am I doing the most that I could do for my life? Because God wants you to succeed. So you know when, when, you, when you succeed, when Robert and Holly succeed, when, when Kaylee succeeds, when David and Ruth succeed, you know it blesses the whole household of faith? Because when you walk into church with success behind you, you're, you're showing it. But when you're just living from mess to mess, people know it. Thank God for his grace. And thank God for his mercy. And thank God for his presence. Hallelujah. Well, we give you all the glory today, Father. We thank you for this word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the revelation we need. That the areas of our lives that need to be stepped up in, cleaned up, seen in your presence, in your glory, the areas that we need, I thank you, Father God, you reveal them so real to us, so real to us, that we make a difference. Because I know that in our lives, when we, are, when we are strong in you and strong on the word, you know, the camels are coming, the provisions coming, all our needs are met according to your riches and glory. When the masses are cleaned up, when we're stepping into your presence, you're going to take us so high, so far, so wide. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be extravagant. It's going to be a blessing to the rest of the world that we live in. Because our lives reflect you. And we behold as in a glass, as in a mirror, we see you changing us from glory to glory. No longer mess to mess. No longer miracle to miracle, but strength to strength. Abundance to abundance. Life to life. That we stepping up. Each and every single person at the sound of my voice is stepping up into a new level today. Stepping up into seeing what God has for them. Stepping up into vision. Stepping up to personal revelation on the prosperity that you have for them. God, I just speak life and blessing. This church is blessed. This church is prosperous. This church has a revelation of the love of God. This church has the gifts of the Spirit and the moving of the Spirit. This church operates and demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit. This church is a generous church. This church is a powerful church. This church is a growing church. This church is alive and hears the voice of God, that the miracles and signs and wonders that you have promised us through your word manifest because of the teaching and the preaching of the word. The apostolic and the prophetic moves in this place. We see great growth. We see life. We see victory. We see success. We see ministries birthed. We see children growing up and stepping into the call of God on their lives. We see new people coming and experiencing something brand new for their lives. We see, we see life poured out into our society and those around us. That this hotel is blessed because we are here. From glory to glory, we behold what you have for us. Father God, we give you all the praise for this in the name of Jesus. And as we close this service, we, 
We thank God for everyone who would watch. And if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord, your Savior, if you're just watching for the first time, if you're just sitting there and going, my life's a mess. I'm not asking you to fix your life. Now listen to me clearly. If you are not saved, if you've never made Jesus Christ, you can't fix your life. You can't fix your life. There's no responsibility on you to fix your life. The only responsibility you have is to make a decision for Jesus Christ. To make him Lord of your life. When you make him Lord of your life, he fills up your life with the ability and the power for you to do everything you need to do. If things need to change, if you need to be set free from alcohol and drugs and abuse, God will do that right now if you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Freedom comes in the name of Jesus. You just pray a simple prayer. It, it, I always say it's simple. It's simple because it's only a simple thing to say, but it's with dynamic power and effectiveness that it will affect your life. Power comes when you exalt Jesus Christ. He is the name above all names, the Lord above all lords. So you just say, in the name of Jesus, God, I just accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me. I believe that he was rose, rose from the dead. If you say that prayer, you can go to, I think, the, the website on the screen, faithlifecenter.com forward slash Jesus. You can pray that prayer by reading it. But let us know that you pray that prayer. I thank God for people who are born again via this broadcast because this broadcast is staying up. You might be watching 10 years from now, but thank God that the message of Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, 